Hello world, welcome to Hopecast, a podcast on spirituality, sexuality, wellness, and queerness. And today to help create more hope in the world, we have Anders from Amsterdam. Hello. Oliver, early morning from Atlanta. Hello world. And I'm Yasser in Lisbon. It's good to be here. So Anders and Oliver, what's giving you hope today? Oh, it's such a good question. I actually really love this question. I was thinking about it the other day, just listening to the latest extra cast too, just what gives you hope. Um, And it's been a little tricky, honestly, because things are closing back down here in the Netherlands. Uh, So it's kind of a a little little sad. Um, But I still feel like just in general, I I still feel like I'm kind of seeing some form of light at the end of the tunnel, uh, even if we're not out of the woods yet. Just a little general sort of like it's going to get better feeling. Hopefully, fingers crossed. And I I mean, we all have to do what we can, but one day. Yeah. Oliver, what about you? Um. I think, have you, have you all heard of the Ahmad Arbery case that's been going on here in the U.S.? Yes. Yeah. That really gave me a lot of hope um, because there are a lot of court cases that have ran, con- run concurrent to that particular case that, that, you know, just, you know, just, I wouldn't say it took me down, but it was just very frustrating and um, overwhelming with, with, the uh, with America and its race relations and things like that well just division in general um but yeah that case really gave me hope even though it was a sad case and I just feel bad for how it all went down I just feel better about you know living here and you know communities coming together um you know to do what's right so I feel very hopeful about that yeah yeah, no, that was, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I was feeling all that from over here in Lisbon. And it's like the small flame with the Aubrey case of something, some modicum of justice mm. against a huge <laughs> infinity of injustice. But still, yes, yeah, there is that flame. Yeah. And I'm just too, right? We're, we're going to stricter rules here, December 1st, um, even though Portugal is well behind some of the caseloads in Europe, say Germany, Belgium, and Netherlands. But it's still worrying. Well, but you know, I was. What was going to give me hope is, you know, I like growing orchids, and uh, I'm settling into my place here. So I went orchid shopping, and I got all these beautiful plants and flower, and they're just flowers everywhere. And it sounds, compared to what you both brought up, it sounds a little frivolous. But just having things flower in the home and flowers over winter, just growing plants, gives me hope. It's just, you know nature and flowers and plants the world will prevail so that's my little my little hope in the world is just these little things that uh, reminds me of this wonderful little just entry exhibit at the Hirschhorn once in DC where they just had like a huge arrangement of different orchids on a big window wall and it was just this you know you walked in and you were just met with this blooming uh, wall and 
I mean, that's sort of the feeling I'm getting here from your hopefulness. Yeah, I remember that exhibit. I saw that. It was very cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I went a... back multiple times. <laughs> I'll plan to do a smaller version of that in my apartment. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, flowers for me always sort of give me some sort of hope. Yeah. I'm afraid of having plants in my house. I don't know if I would. I think I'd take, I'd take care of them, but I just worry that over time I get lazy with watering them and all of that. Yeah. We're definitely approaching like the plant equivalent of the crazy cat lady. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in our apartment. Oh yeah. Just in your like, apartment. Yeah. All the time. We're just like, we need more plants. This <laughs> is not enough. It's, this is not working. Uh, so there's a lot. Yeah. You can never have too many plants, right? Yeah. It is very nice to have that life around you. Yeah. <laughs> ah, so today we thought we would talk a little bit about, you know, Paul had mentioned last time in the extra cast for those who listened that he wasn't on the podcast and being part of it. And, you know, he is the ringleader behind it. So this whole fear of missing out without him there. And, and then he listened to it and he got so much out of it and he, it became the joy of missing out because now he was able to be a listener and not have to worry about managing the whole thing and he could just really participate by listening and he got a lot out of it so we thought we'd pick up that thread today and you know moving from FOMO to JOMO or the other way around in fact if you want <laughs> so so what are some thoughts on that Let's jump in um so I just looked it up <laughs> but um but I think it's something that I've, at least in my, in my adulthood, it's Joma has been something that I've lived by um, merely because I am so introverted. Um, outside of work, I take time to, you know, do the things that are meaningful to me. Um, and I know growing up, going out to clubs and going out to like huge crowds, no, none of that really interested me. So it was just easy to take a step back and, and enjoy my home and enjoy my space and ensure that outside of work that my, my inner life, my inner world was being nurtured. Mm. Um, so it was just, it, it's something that's always been important to me, um, especially in adulthood. I've definitely been the same way always. I remember uh, you made me think of when I was a kid and people would call and ask me to like come hang, hang out at their place or something. And I was like, I don't want to. So I would be like, oh, I have to ask my mom and then would look like <laughs> ask my mom over the phone and just be like, can I go to this person's place while like shaking my head? <laughs> She's just like, no, you have to help me today. <laughs> I'm just like, oh no, bummer. Uh, I feel like there's that that uh, I mean, need to recharge on your own a little bit. Uh, it's definitely, I mean, that creates JOMO for me as well. Well, it's interesting because I'm an introvert as well, so it looks like we have three introverts doing a podcast for the world. Um, <laughs> so there's there's a thought right there. But yeah, creating that space to re-energize and reconnect and pulling back. So that's sort of a need we have, right? But uh, to speak to the FOMO, 
especially with social media, right? And being single and living alone is you get on social media and stuff and you see everyone else having a good time and out doing stuff or hiking or partying and you're like, oh, I wasn't invited or I wasn't there. And you know, it's curated, you know, it's the best moments. But I think I got into a pattern for a few years, especially with Facebook of missing out because I was seeing what others were doing. Um, and if I hadn't looked, I wouldn't have known they were doing some of those things. And in some cases, there was a bit of, oh, you know, what, how come I wasn't asked? I sort of have that approach to things sometimes. So there was that, and there was that. And then recently, actually just five days ago, I deactivated my hate book account. Mm -hmm. um, and I call it that because I was reading the Facebook papers, all the reports um, that have been coming through the media, especially the Washington Post. And it's just one thing after another of Facebook avoiding responsibility and really monitoring content, monitoring hate speech. And the budget they spend on monitoring that all goes to the West, to Europe and the US. And they have like 10 fragile countries, which get virtually nothing. And those are the countries where people die as a result of violence. And so there's one thing after the other. And the last story last week was about how they have an algorithm and they that didn't screen enough for racist remarks. And there was, in particular the US, and one of their, someone on Facebook who is more conservative, there was fear of offending conservative partners. And so what ended up happening from the story, apparently is the algorithm screens out for hate speech against uh, you know, white straight men. Um, and it's open season on Jews, people of color, women, and LGBT folks, pretty much. And examples were given. And I just said, you know, this is so incongruous with my values at this stage, I just have to deactivate it. So I did that, and, and that's where the fear of missing out came in for me, mm. because suddenly I'm like, what's all my friends doing? And you know, I have some communities, I have a coach community there that's very active, and I have um, a Portugal community that's very active, and where I get so much, and an art community, I get so much information and benefit. And, and so that's why it's been hard to give it up, but um, it's also, oh, I don't, in my idle moment, I'm not going onto Facebook now to see what everyone else is up to because the account is deactivated. I have no intention of reactivating it right now. I'm going to see what happens for a month. But it's like, oh, now what do I do with myself? Because, and then suddenly it's like, whatever might be happening is happening. And, but I'm not missing out because I don't know what's happening. And there's a part of me that wonders what's happening that I don't know about. And then there's also relief. Mm -hmm. But okay, what, maybe I'm bored. Maybe I do something else with myself now. Maybe I go for a walk. Maybe I read a book. Or maybe I start calling up people and having a real interaction one-on-one -on -one, or WhatsApping a friend in the US I haven't talked to, mm. Yeah, which Facebook was a substitute for. Yeah, and there's that kind of false sense of a social life on there sometimes because you're like, oh, I know what's happening, but I didn't actually connect with someone over it or like really ask them how they how they were doing with that um i mean i do feel a similar way about using instagram which is um of course also meta the facebook company um and what i come back to with myself sometimes is that i will sit and uh, scroll on instagram and maybe more so on my 
uh, on my public facing design Instagram where I see, you know, fellow freelancers or fellow designers who are doing really cool projects or working with clients and stuff like that. That's when I feel that FOMO or almost, you know, fear of doing the wrong thing where I'm just like, well, well, I'm not doing that cool project or I'm not like, I haven't used my skills this way. Uh, am I doing the wrong thing? Um, and so I think on the other side of that is the kind of rejoicing in where you are and what you're doing because there's value in, in where you are. You know, if you're, if you're missing out on one thing, that might mean that you're doing a completely different, unique thing that's yours. Um, so that's just where I sometimes have to stop myself and remind myself that like, you know, this, what I'm doing maybe as a freelancer is, is valid or my creativity is valid even if I didn't make this uh, enormous billboard in Manhattan or something. Uh, don't really fully know where I'm going with that, but I would say that turning that FOMO into JOMO is a way to kind of uh, feel really present and enjoy what I am currently doing. Mm. Uh, just being in the present, I guess, a little more. Right, it's like taking what looks on the surface like an ego or a victim or a saboteur-based perspective that I'm missing out, I'm not getting something I want or need or that I might want, and turning that inward and using it as a moment to create something or look to see what I have here right now in the present, which is not being pulled into a feed, but maybe an opportunity to create something that brings me joy or connection. Yeah, I like that, Andesha. There's a really good uh, book. I'm gonna look up the author. The book is not in the bookshelf right next to me, but it's called The Art of Noticing, hmm. which is um, a really, really good book. It's just like a collection of exercises to just notice things around you. And that one, it feels almost like a joy of missing out practice because you're, you might be missing out on whatever else is happening, but you're really taking in what's happening around you because you're noticing it. Can I silently look up? Yeah, the please do. Oliver, what about you? Because you're also on Instagram. I, was, I saw one of your videos just a day, a day or two ago. Yeah, I've also had thoughts of... Um you know, deactivating all my accounts, but that's really how I interact with a lot of my clients. And um, I'm a part of another group that I do meditations for. It's that's like the central social media is like the central way of getting together. But um, I think what I've done is just try to, you know, infuse outdoor time with the dogs and time with my partner and limiting my time on social media. Like I, I rarely make a post except for Sunday, probably when I do my meditations now. Um, but I think even in like the fall going into winter, I've been a little bit more, um, I guess I've just been in hibernation mode um, and really focusing on, um, my inner world. And, and a lot of it has to do with um, my insurance doesn't cover 
uh, my mental health services anymore, not until next year. So I haven't had a therapist for the last few months. So I've been really trying to, you know, ensure that I'm not overwhelmed by things. So I don't get caught up into something that I can't get out of. But, um, but yeah, I think finding that balance with social media because um, that's really the only way that I connect with friends. I don't think I have anybody's phone number anymore. I have, I have really good friends that I talk to consistently, but there are a lot of people, I don't have their phone numbers anymore. So social media is basically the only way that I communicate with them. Um, but um, I did really, I chuckled at Anders with the, the whole going out after school thing, because I used to totally do that. Like I'm like, I used to be obsessed. I used to always have white shoes when I was a kid. I'm like, you guys want to go out to the Creek and get muddy and stuff. I am not doing that. (laughs) I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not doing it. I used to do the whole thing with my mom. Like, especially if they came to the door, I used to, I was, I was a latchkey kid. So I was always home alone, but I pretend like my mom was there and like close the door while they're there, like standing outside and like act like I'm yelling for my mother and saying, Oh, no, can't go out. Sorry. But I totally been, I totally like go back to watching Benny Hill or Abhab or something like that. That was like my whole afternoon ritual after school. (laughs) (laughs) So there was no playing with kids for me, other kids. That was like my time to myself. But um, yeah, I just think it's just, just interesting how maybe 20 years ago we didn't have social media. And now it's like a huge part of life, whether it be for business or, um, you know, establishing a community or, or things like that. I just wonder how we can get to um, finding a balance between that or if just in general people are, um, for lack of a better word, addicted to social media. Um, yeah, I mean, that addiction is real. Mm-hmm. And the companies orchestrate and the whole thing is about creating an addictive experience, you know, mm-hmm. and there's movies and the documentary and books on this and we know it. And it's, it's, pro- it's, it's what social media is. And I remember one of the guys, mm-hmm. I think it's Jared Lanier. He was one of the early inventors of some of the stuff and he's wrote a book and he based, he showed how it rewards a lot for negative emotions because negative emotions are what hook us in. Mm-hmm. And so the system elicits negative emotions and then builds those up. And so that's why Facebook, the headlines, whatever they show you is to pull you in, but it's usually going to be something that arouses some sort of negative emotion. And so we're being manipulated. Like what you, you know, you're not seeing when I share to friends, my friends don't see what I'm sharing. They share what Facebook decides mm-hmm. they want to share. So there is that addictive quality. And I'm so the question then is, is that balance? Because what he was saying is it's such a monster and it's set up to be addictive and you can't rework it. You've got to just get off it. It's the only way mm-hmm. to save yourself is pretty much what he was saying. And there's a part of me that gets that and believes that. And the reason I guess I've stayed on so long, despite it being so antagonistic to my values around justice and everything, there's just so much that's coming out from the whistleblower that I say, you know, how come I'd, I'd be outraged and have 
you know, cut them off or don't take an action long ago, but I've stayed on. And it's because the addictive quality keeps me on or that mm-hmm. I will miss out on what's happening with my coaching cohort or what's happening with the Portuguese group. And so that personal individual need for that information connection had me sacrificing values around, you know, everything else in my life that I stand for. And I said, you know, that's not, there's no balance in that. There's just being out of integrity. So I had been feeling pretty uncomfortable with this for a while. And then that last article in the post where, you know, that really just spoke about promotion of racial injustice or allowing that to happen. I said, this is the last try. I just can't keep doing this. And I know other people who've left it and they have lives, you know, they're perfectly <laughs> fine. They're doing stuff. They're finding out information. They, they know which art galleries have openings. Um, they meet people. And so I'm like, you know, there are other ways to meet and connect and, and find things. It's not, even though Facebook is an easy way. So yeah. coming to... But there's also such a, a spider's web. Um, I, was it when I turned 25 that I deleted Facebook? It was like my birthday gift to myself one year because I was like this, I just hate it and none of it makes me feel good. Um, so I've been off Facebook for many years now, honestly have never even thought about it, uh, like nothing, but then I'm still on Instagram and I, you know, and that's, Basically, I would say Instagram now for me is what Facebook was for me when I was like 20, when everyone actually used it as incessantly as people use Instagram now. So, you know, deleting one thing for me, sometimes I have noticed this swing where I'm like, okay, I stopped using this social media platform and now I'm on this other one more Uh, because there's still, I mean, maybe the FOMO doesn't go away just because of one <laughs> platform going away. Uh, yeah. So, and it's one of those things too, where it's, I think it, it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily true, but I, for me, I often feel like it's harder to leave social media because everyone I know is on it. Yeah. And so I just like assume that that's the only way that I'm gonna, uh, talk to some people and so on. And then some days when I'm at my more cynical, I'm just like, but do I really want to have all these people in my life? Like these are thousands of people that I never interact with and I don't need to know anything about what's happening in their lives. And, uh, you know, hanging out on social media with all these old contacts of mine might keep me from creating a network in this new place that I live in. Or so so it's kind of like we refuse to let things go a little bit. Yeah, and Anders, I'll confess too, is I have three Instagram accounts and I just created another one, so I have four. And um, that be- it was more of my go-to increasingly. And now that I don't have Hatebook, um, I'm checking Instagram more. Yeah. And I know it's owned by the same company and at some point I'll have to figure that piece out. But for me, it's a little bit more benign and it's... It, sucks you in less because it's it doesn't have so many opportunities for hooks right but what i the slight difference for me on that is that my accounts are all around my interests so i have one on flowers and plants i have one on art i have one on personal development coaching spiritual wisdom and my new one is on lisbon um oh, that's because, fun. 
yeah, I just love the city and there's so many beautiful photos. So I added that on Lisbon. And so the people I follow are around, in each account, are around particular interests. Mm. So now with Lisbon, I start following, there's a farmer's market, there's an art studio. And that's where I can get some of the information that I feel I might be missing out on that's really useful. Um, and then on flowers, I follow flowers. And, you know, there's there's some accounts of hot guys scattered in there, I'll confess. <laughs> <laughs> but occasionally there's some and they're just people I don't really know or they're posting these memes and I'll just unfollow so that what yeah. shows up is more curated. But I'm spending a little bit more time on that, but I still feel it's a lot more freeing and a lot more nurturing, nourishing than, you know, Facebook was. I love yeah. how you organize that, Yasser. Like how you organize the, you know, the flowers and Lisbon and all of that. I think it takes you into a different experience instead of having random hot guys and random memes and like like a hodgepodge of pictures and, and all these different things showing up in your face. I think that's a great way of doing Instagram. Um, and also just, just talking about the balance between FOMO and JOMO. Um, I think when you get rid of something in your life, um, it's important to have that plan on the other side. So I used to be, I used to be a smoker. I, I quit 11 years ago and I had to, um, you know, not go to like the, the smoking room at my work. I had to avoid that. And I had to, I had to avoid clubs for a while because you could back then you could smoke in clubs. So there are just things that you have to replace mm. those things with. And I think when you have a plan and replacing social media, I think it makes it a little less of, you know, uh, less jarring, I guess, and having something on the other side. Um, and whether that's creating a network, there's there's some, if you guys heard of meetup.com, there are different yep, communities yep. that you can be a part of. Um, there are other ways to, you know, be connected. Um, so I think it's just important to have a plan if you plan on, you know, deleting your social media accounts. It's kind of like, uh, like what you're saying is kind of um, artificially making this thing happen. Like when, when you just kind of lose interest in a hobby or something, because you found something else, you're like, Oh, I love playing the piano, but all of a sudden I want to do analog photography and that's more interesting. So you find yourself having quit the piano and spending all your time on the photography instead. But what you might have to do with a, if you want to quit social media or smoking or something else is to kind of create that scenario, mm -hmm. but with a plan instead of it just happening. Mm -hmm. It also, it sounds a little bit like with how sometimes um, addiction is described as a, a relationship with I mean, either a substance or a, uh, well, whatever you might be addicted to, that it um, can be a form of a relationship where a relationship is missing. Um, not saying like a human relationship or a romantic relationship, but a relationship with some form of uh, setting or so, which just 
creates a, a meaning. Um, just, I mean, everyone might have heard the, the tests that were done on lab rats, maybe not a great thing, but where they gave some rats basically water with a drug in it. I want to say cocaine um, or something where they got them addicted on this one substance. And then they gave two different sets of these rats, hopefully I'm saying this all right, um, the opportunity to drink like sugar water or regular water instead. And in one of these groups, there was also access to hanging out with other rats and there were like toys and things to climb on and so on. And in the other group, they were just solo in their old boring cage. And um, those rats who were still in the same setting kept going for the drugged water and the ones who had access to other rats and activities and so on actively chose the not undrugged water over the, the drugged one, which I mean, has been used as an example of how, how you can reprogram an addictive behavior with something more maybe social or active, et cetera. And uh, with the first time I read that, I was just like, this is social media. <laughs> Like, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a little questionable, uh, of course, the method, perhaps, but um, but the example is it's pretty jarring. I mean, it is the way the world is and going more and more into it, and with virtual reality, and now with Meta doing more of that. It's and the studies, like you're saying, the studies and the influence on people, on teenagers, on teenage women on everyone, just, there's just very little upside in terms of benefits to us psychologically or in terms of our ability to connect with others in the real world socially. Yeah. And so the other question I had to myself is having read and seen reports and because I've been trying to get off this for a while and I always look for the evidence that will be my yes. And there's so much. And now with the Facebook papers, it's just a slew of horrific things are happening around the world. Um, what is the world we want to create? Do I want to be part of creating a world where we are more and more immersed in social media and all the negative hooks and all the negativity in the world and all the anger? I, most of my posts often around the injustice happening in the US and elsewhere, but just mm. constantly enraged. And I'm preaching to the choir, right? Because all my friends on Facebook have a similar position. So we're just talking to each other. So it creates division. And then is this the world I want to be creating or do I unplug as much as I can now and, re and return to, to an actual lived experience that social media is not? What, what about the next generation? So what's our responsibility if we just keep drinking the Kool-Aid? And, and I think also you see that out in the world, just there's, people are disconnected with, with everyone else. Like there's a negative, there's like a blanket of negativity out in the world. And social, since everything is happening on social media, it just seems like um, people aren't present. They're more apt to get 
upset or frustrated if there's a line in a store or something, if there's like a long queue or something like that, or um, if you look at somebody funny, they're more apt to react in a negative way. So I think mentally and psychologically and perhaps spiritually, like social media has taken away our humanity in, in some ways. Um, and to go back to what you were saying, Oscar, about creating a world that we want to, to, a world that we want to be in, I think that it's made me more empathetic with people when I'm out and about. It's, it's allowed me to take a time to not react when people get upset and just to take a step back and say, oh, wait, wait, let me just not um, add to the pour any more fuel on the fire and let me just take a step back and, um, you know, take account what I want to say, how I want to respond to people and what I want to put out there. Um, because it's easy to get, you know, drawn into the chaos and into the negativity out in the world as well. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but <laughs> I think it's important as far as social media is concerned is, you know, to understand how it affects us psychologically. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's so, I feel like one result, a mentality for me sometimes if I've spent too much time on there is a pretty cynical and uh, you know easily irritated state where because there's such a mix of all kinds of things that I see on my feeds um, that you know it's more on a global scale things that are happening more on a local scale things that are happening more of the suffering around me with individuals I know um, or I just see that someone I know is being super not genuine and uh, saying things on their accounts and so on. So um, there's definitely an irritability that comes from, from not missing out. And at some point, some of, yeah, some of it is just then self-preservation, right? Because especially in the US, it's a constant onslaught of injustice between trials, between murders, between anti-maskers, racism. I mean, it's nonstop. And all the newspapers, the Post especially, which I've read for years and now is owned by Amazon, owned by Jeff Bezos, headlines have become clickbaity. They've all become these things to draw you. And so I get a post daily because I subscribe. And I'm in, and then I'm reading and just enraged and angry. And then usually what I would do is go share that on Facebook and share my outrage. And I'm sitting like, how do I share this? Whom do I send this to? I can't share this anymore. And then I might find one or two people who might want to read the article. But then there's a part of me that just says, you don't have to, sharing it with the world and your outrage doesn't, it, it felt like a valve to let that go, but it was just putting more of that negativity, even though it is the reality out into the world. And so everyone sees what's wrong all the time, or we constantly fuel the outrage and then when we, it just, as Oliver, you were saying, it just bursts out into everyday expression. So, you know, other people read the post. Um, all my people here know about the injustice. We're talking about trials. 
I don't need to share it to feel righteous. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just go take a walk or maybe I just go paint or do something. Because in that moment, I can't do much about what's happening in the US around a particular trial. My actions aren't really changing unless I'm writing a letter to my congressperson. In DC, we don't have one because there's no representation. Mm -hmm. So there's actions we can take, but most of the time, the, the social media actions aren't particularly, they don't particularly lead to change or transformation. They lead to reinforcement of the negativity that we're reacting to in the first place, no matter how justified. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, sometimes maybe that is a, a good thing because I mean, we're talking about community building as well, where, I mean, I've definitely discovered a lot of important issues um, and topics through these social media platforms that I wouldn't have actually known about unless I had allowed myself to, to uh, get dragged into the rabbit hole. Um, but and it's hard for an individual to know, you know, where is the, the border between me getting informed here and just sitting and stewing in really um, upsetting emotions. Um, I thought actually a little bit about um, the talking about vulnerability and sharing yourself with others in a true way as well. And I think sometimes um, I reflected on it and I thought that, you know, sometimes it's not, it's not my place maybe to come into a room and share my true self or vulnerability uh, when, for example, I'm deeply upset about something that might truly be something everyone should be thinking about or so on. But I, I mean, there was a time a few weeks ago, I think I got to to my office, my shared office, and I was in a terrible mood. I think I had seen something on, on social media and news and so on. And I just like arrived to my office and I was just like, everybody, here's what's going on. This is awful. Uh, nothing's right. And I just like noticed how the whole mood changed and like everyone was kind of like dragged down into like thinking about all the <laughs> negative things. Uh, um, so it just became this kind of like pylon of adding to the negativity. And I, afterwards I was like, I don't really think this was helpful that I brought this in here um, today. Uh, and that is something I think about often, you know, even in my home or with my siblings chatting about things, you know, dragging in the negativity isn't always a solution mm -hmm. to whatever you're feeling as a reaction to what you see in the world. Yeah, I think, I think I, I agree with the both of you. And I, 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 I had this conversation with my partner that when you watch the news, everything is breaking news. Everything is urgent. <laughs> everything is, you know, just in your face. And most news now is opinion. It's just, okay, well, what do you think about this? Instead of reporting the facts and especially with the way, uh, titles or columns are written um it's meant to um spark emotion it's meant to get you upset yeah. and um 
sometimes I can physically feel the anger inside me and I'm like, well, how do I get rid of this? Because you consume so much information. And I think the, the outlet is sharing the, sharing the post or sharing the article and then, mm-hmm. you know, sharing your opinion. But I know, especially in starting 2016, when, when Trump won the, won the, White House and everything, that was the point where I had to um, be selective in what I read and what I see because um, over time, there's no outlet for your emotions. So you're just carrying all of this with you. And um, I had to make the choice not to get involved with a lot of that stuff and to um, disengage from watching too much news and things like that because you you carry all these emotions with you and going to what I said before people just store the stuff and they're they're acting out in public and I don't want to be a part of that Mm. um so I mean I think we just have to be cognizant of the way media and um you know, as people write things, I think it's just meant to spark emotions. And we, like you said, Anders, I think it's important for us to read the room and understand that what we, we fill the atmosphere with what we bring. And it's just important to, um, for me to bring an atmosphere of peace to wherever I'm going. Um, so I don't, I don't, I make that choice not to bring people down. I make that choice to, mm-hmm. you know, um, in light of the things going out, going on in the world to bring an air of peace to where I'm going, because I'm sure, like you said, Yasser, everybody knows things are going on. Everybody has seen it as well. So how can we come together and, um, you know, change the atmosphere or change our community that we're in right now? Because we can't change the world on our, all on our own but we can do it in our homes and in our community and or at our workplace. You know, as you say that, I'm feeling a bit more relief because as we were having this conversation and I was certainly driving a lot of it, I was beginning to feel that same sort of emotional turmoil and anger and frustration as if I was immersed in social media simply by talking about being outraged. Mm. And so it's, it's patterned in me because I've been doing this for many years. And so even just the conversation around it was making me feel those emotions of anger and outrage. And mm. I was like, just, oh, that clearly, it's very deep-seated. And then when you started mm. talking about, okay, and is what you said, is, is it helpful? A very sort of Buddhist way of asking, right? Is it, is it honest? Is it helpful? Is it helpful to bring this up now? Or is it just me using the opportunity to vent? So that's a good question. It seems to uh, to be asked in that situation. Yeah, and then all of us. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. No, please go on. No, I was just saying that sometimes, sometimes that uh, being able to discern that you know when it's helpful or when mm-hmm. when is the right time can. I feel like it's harder these days because I am so constantly in that space. So it's so easy to assume that everyone else is is too, <laughs> in a way. Uh, so, I mean, it's really a balancing act. Mm-hmm. And what are we balancing? 
What's the most important thing to balance? I think now for me, it's emotions. Mm. Or emotions that don't really serve me. Mm. And, um, you know, being out in nature helps. Um, Making sure that I go out with the dogs at least for, you know, a three to four mile walk. That's two to three hours of my day um, that I can kind of refuel and recharge. Um, But I think it's important to have, you know, a therapist or a nature walk or, you know, being out in your garden or doing things that um, recharge you. Um, And I think that's, I mean, that was the main point of this podcast today is finding those ways to balance not only social media but the things that balance your emotions and balance your your psyche and things like that um i just think it's it's super important to do mm-hmm. especially right now yeah Anders, what is it for you so for all of it's in emotions you know that's so important to make sure those stay in balance what's what's on your scales I would say like perspective or magnification because that's where I think sometimes um, for, for me, the problem lies in I'm trying to take in too much and I'm trying to see the biggest picture possible. And, you know, you're reading everything and you're seeing everything. Um, so for me, balancing that is to go really small and, you know, see, um, you know, even like a household task or the walk with the dog, uh, things like that, that I consider small, bring me back to, you know, where I really am. And that definitely calms me. Um, but that really kind of, I guess, is emotions as well. Scaling it down is important to me in those times. Yeah, and I'm trying to think too, what is it for me? I mean, I love your answers here. Is there something I'm trying to balance? And I mean, certainly balancing consumption of information and news and making sure that doesn't over, it's like a car, you know, it goes too fast, it just runs you over. I don't want to be trampled over. So keeping that in check a bit or skimming the headlines, but not having to read every opinion piece or story on the injustice in America, for example, because it's it's sadly a never ending (laughs) rabbit hole. Yeah, I think for me, maybe it's not balanced right now. Maybe it's seeking like social media is an escape. It can be a a crutch, it can be an addiction, it can be a way to soothe, even through outrage, right? Feel better about things for yourself, whatever. And it's like, what's the what's the real world joy in that moment that could be had or created if I'm not spending time scrolling through the feed or if I'm not engaged only with what's happening with friends through social media? And I'll give you an example. Um, I went to an art museum I hadn't been to here, but the day I deactivated, it was a portrait 
section and I was walking through and at one point this lady came and looked like she wanted to talk to me. And she said, do you speak English? And I said, yes. And I wondered if she thought I was one of the guys working there. And she said, oh, I saw you looking at the portraits and I'm from Wales. And we have um, a weekly Zoom portrait class that I run as part of this nonprofit. Are you interested if you're an artist? Because she saw me sketch and I said, I'd love to. So I got her email. I, she was an Instagram. So we used Instagram. She, she said, here's the email. Um, and I sent them an email. They sent me the Zoom link. And so I'm on this portrait class with a bunch of folks from Wales and elsewhere who are drawing on a Wednesday night. And it's like, oh, here's my art community. You know, I was always looking to Facebook to connect me with art communities and what's happening. And just by going out, you know, this just happened. So it was sort of almost a sign from the universe that when you pay attention and you get out into the world and you're just there, you'll get what, here's what came to me. You'll get what you need. You will get the information you need. You will get the connections you need. You may even get the things that you need, but because your energy from social media was such a low vibration, they were not showing up for you. Mm-hmm. And so there's almost a freedom like, no, I don't need that. I, yes, there is a lot there I can get instantly that's helpful, but there's happy accidents and other ways to begin getting what I need. So it's being to trust the universe provides and you will get your needs met. And social media is not going to do that for you. And we literally, we literally had that before. Like when we had, when we didn't have social media, there are things that we did. Like we went on walks or we like went to a cafe with friends or whatever. I mean, we did these things before, so it's not like it can't happen (laughs) again, but I think, uh, but it just seems so distant and far away. You know, that was maybe when did I start social media? Maybe like 15 years ago, yeah. maybe. I mean, it seems far away, but it's, I mean, I guess it really isn't. Um, I mean, but there's so much that we did before then. Um, and I guess collectively, it's just coming back to that, I think. Um, I don't know. I, I was watching this, this documentary on... Um, there is a, a document on QAnon people and those that have left. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of them had to leave social media for their own mental health and things like that. But you can see the spectrum of getting so caught up in stuff that you like you forget reality. And I think taking a step back from social media is just remembering reality you know, and going down, taking a stroll downtown and taking in the sights, the smells and all of that, and just remembering reality and remembering who you are. And um, you can definitely get lost in social media and looking at other people's folks, even though they're curated and all of that. It's just like, well, people want their lives to be perfect. And, and it's not, mm. you know, it's not always it doesn't look like this perfect photo with a partner and you guys are smiling and then after the camera's off you go back to you know <laughs> arguing and things yeah. like that staring at social media <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah I think I think we've all done it before it's just a matter of you know finding new ways to connect and um you know being present enough to find people out in the world that will see your art or 
you know, see you meditating and be like, oh, well, where did you learn that? Or, or, you know, just, just getting out in the world and experiencing it from a, mm. like a pure and, and peaceful and joyful level. And I don't know. It's lovely. Just talking at this point. But, uh, but uh, I, I did look up the author of this book that I recommended, The oh, Art of you. Noticing. It's, mm. it's written by Rob Walker. And uh, I honestly think that a good first step to like getting back into that, you know, seeing what's around you and coming back to yourself and remembering who you are. Uh, a good first step is to get your hands on that book because it's so fun and fascinating and so simple. Uh, uh, like one of the exercises is to, when you're outside, look up and then look up some more. <laughs> so it kind of challenges you to really partake in what's around you. And uh, yeah, I feel like that's what's needed. Well, thanks for the recommendation. I don't know the books. I will look it up. And I'm sure others who are listening to this will. It's funny, you know, we, we're all meditators and we all met in that, in that circle. And, you know, suddenly in some ways of looking at the universe, we look at reality as an illusion, right? And I said, that's fine. But face, I was just thinking social media is actually a delusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd rather be with, with the reality increasingly and, and leave the delusion behind. Definitely. Yeah. Well, this has been good. And I think we, we got to some good joy and suggestions on how to reconnect in the present. And I think we're all dedicated in our practice. And so I guess we're committed to being with what's here, what's here now, what's unfolding and realizing the things that pull us away from this moment are to be let go, right? Mm. Um, and then when we do use the media, the social media, Instagram, it's purposeful and it's nurturing and nourishing. And we know when to find that balance as well, and begin to notice and look for that, right? Definitely. Yeah. So with that said, how about um, we wrap up and... You know, maybe Oliver, you can take us the meditation to further lead us into the joy sure. of presence for a few minutes, <laughs> and uh, and then we'll we'll see everyone again on the next uh, Hopecast or Extracast. And as Paul always says, you can lead us leave us reviews. We're all over social media, so whatever your platform is, lead us a review. And as he says, anything less than five stars is homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> So with that, we'll see you all next time. Well, thank you all for this this chat and reminding us that to be present and um, refocusing on ourselves and reality and the things that are meaningful to us. So let's uh, prepare ourselves for meditation, finding our places of peace, closing your eyes if you wish. Finding a posture that is comfortable for you, wherever you may land in a chair, on the floor, out on a bed of grass in a park or wherever you may be. Let's just take an initial deep breath. Allowing us to focus on this very moment.
bringing focus to your inhale and your exhale. Bringing focus to the rhythm of your inhale and your exhale. We all have our own unique rhythms. for inhaling and exhaling. And whenever you need to come back to this rhythm, It's always available. Take this time to do a quick body scan. Recognizing those areas of your body where you're holding tension. And if you find a little knot of tension, just pretend like you're breathing from that area. And massage these areas of tension with your breath for three to four breaths. or however long it takes. Release your eyelids. Sometimes we forget that we hold a lot of tension in our eyelids. And when you release your eyelids, just notice that you're able to pay attention to a lot more areas in your body.
and for our intention on this day. Let's begin to engage with the ways that we can come back to our inner wisdom, come back to our own reality, come back to being present, come back to what is meaningful in our lives, coming back to those meaningful relationships in your life. Coming back to those hobbies, those activities that give you life. Let's start this meditation with three deep breaths. Inhaling to the count of four and exhaling to the count of seven. Gently reconnect to your breath. Just take a few moments to identify what came up for you during our intention setting. What came up for you as activities that give you life, that give you joy? Who are the people that are important to you? With whom you'd like to engage with more? And as you recognize those people that are important to you or the activities that bring you life,
just begin to recognize the emotions associated with it, with those people, with those activities. How does even the thoughts provide you with joy in this very moment? Because you have these people, these activities, these things that give you life, all these things that give you joy, give you an abundant life. There's nothing that you're missing out on. You already have a full and meaningful and peaceful life. There's nothing else that you have to seek after. Take a deep breath in and release. 
כן. Release. Once more on your own. Gently reconnect to your breath. And as you come out of this meditation, just hold on to those things that you identified that give you peace, that give you joy, that grounds you in reality, that ground you to your humanity. Just take this out into the world with you as you move throughout your day and throughout the remainder of your week. And when you're ready to open your eyes, please do so now. Doing any neck or shoulder rolls that you find comfort in. Thank you all.